call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 108 of Call It Friend of the podcast, where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Danica Tiernan, watch the latest Netflix comedy from Jonah Hill and Kenya Barris, You People. We also recap the Oscars and talk about what we've been watching, including a discussion of The Last of Us Season 1. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the main film right from the start, but we give spoiler warnings for the other films and shows that we talk about. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at CallFriendOfPodcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations, please. And then fucking Mike just ran out of my house with all my noodles and the box wine of all things. Can't believe he did that. And Real on rice the, move. The day that Lance Reddick died. It was the day that Lance Reddick died. Mm. Man, he looked like such a healthy individual. Do you know? Do you not feel that sometimes people are like too healthy? Some, you know. What you mean? He was like putting pressure on his organs because he was so ripped. Yeah, he was like insanely ripped and had zero percent body fat. Maybe That's you true. Should have a little bit of body fat just to sort of. It was almost unrealistic having him as a police chief in Baltimore. Just, yeah, this oh, guy wow. was not sitting behind a desk ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was fucking. Seemed ripped. like a nice man. It's it's a sad loss to lose, but now he's a friend of the show, and he joins yeah. an illustrious uh, list of people. And I have. I hope to join him one day as well. So. <laughs> I haven't seen. Um, uh, this Farron Bosch, but he's going. He's was going slightly corrupt in the last series mm. of Bosch I watched. So I'm guessing he becomes a friend of that show at some point. Yeah, I think that's not going to work out too well for him. It doesn't. Go, yeah, in Bosch, it'll everything comes home to roost. in Bost. Bosch roost. <laughs> uh, we haven't even commented on your voice yet. Which uh, yeah, I was in Lisbon at the weekend. I got a little bit sick. Still slightly recovering from that. Lost my voice. My friends made fun of that for a good uh, day, I think. But um, yeah, actually, the, Lisbon's very nice. If anybody listening has not been, extremely pretty city. High, high recommend for a visit. I had a, a great time. But well, I, I mean, there's the normal thing of tourist crowded cities. Do you know what I mean? Everybody assumes you're English, so they hate you a bit at the start. No one assumes you're English. Oh, it happens. It even <laughs> happens in Spain, man. But we went actually to a British bar to watch the Irish rugby game. And we went there hoping that it'd be full of British people, but it was just full of <laughs> Irish people. Um, so whatever. Looking for trouble. Yeah, yeah, effort. yeah. But we had loads of fun, though. The Portuguese are friendly people. This one guy made me laugh. He was trying to uh, sell sunglasses. We were crossing this square. He says, uh, do you want some sunglasses? I said, uh, I have some in my bag. He says, show me. <laughs> I was like, respect. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Recommend Portugal, but it'll do something to your voice. It will. But it will. You traveled up the coast. I did. I went, I went to the coast of Montenegro. I think I've seen the entire country now, all four square miles of it. So, But I'll be joining you in Barcelona shortly. Yes, that's right. That's right. When we'll be uh, like having erratic timetables, late night chats, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> that's right. Me dangerously scooting back from your uphill location. <laughs> that is not. That is not any form of euphemism. I just want to make that clear.
Anyway, I, we've got so many things to talk about. Yeah, some of we them might as well dig into it. And some of them uh, just, just plain old bad. But Let's start with <laughs> the good stuff. I am happy with everything, everywhere, all at once. Is there anything Daniels even winning? to say about the Oscars? It's, they literally yes. chose everything that they want, that we wanted. I'll, well, I'll tell you, not everything. But, okay, I'm, uh, but there's nothing... There's there, nothing there I'm, any I, shocks in there. No, and there's nothing I'd be upset by. It's not like, you know, there there can be only one, whatever the... What's, what's that movie from again? Highlander. Uh, right, man, I just got that from Blockbuster. I'm going to check out <laughs> Highlander again, for real. It's not uh, good, but go ahead. Anyway, I'm very happy that with everything everywhere and the Daniels winning, it's a win in a deserved corner of the filmmaking world. Brendan Fraser would have been my fave win of the night, I, and I can't imagine anyone worked harder than uh, Michelle Yeoh in her category. Uh, the only one I might have shoved... There's two I might have shoved in a different direction, but I'm still all right with them. Kei Hui Kwan, I would have given that to Barry Keown. I thought Barry Keown was better, but you, at the same time, not, in, not by such a degree that I'd be annoyed by it. He's very much the Irish short round, so... There's that, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis was another one I was very there for in the end. Who was uh, she was up ver- against? Who, like, was there anyone else that was? Kerry Condon was. Uh, oh yeah, the I wanted Kerry Condon. Michelle Williams was in there as well. Kerry Condon was no, great. No, Michelle but, Williams, no. Yeah, yeah, um, and Jamie Lee Curtis uh, was very good, though. At the same time, Fablemans so, didn't win anything. I think that's yeah. my ultimate victory over Steven Spielberg. But it's like, do you remember the year? I remember. I can't remember what exactly they were. We can find out very easily. But I remember the year Slumdog Millionaire came out. I remember that film was like a real breath of fresh air when it came out. Uh, even even if you saw it today, I'd imagine it's because it's like it's almost like a family movie, with also with extremely dark elements. There's sort of magic to it. Swimming and shit. I they remember. really they really utilize the locations beautifully. There's good music. I just remember that was just a re- like I saw that twice in the cinema, and I remember thinking something else is gonna beat this film. But no, it took it like it took everything. Relevant in the end, I think it was the same year that Milk came out. I might have been worried that Milk would win. It did not. <laughs> Where I think there was one that we predicted: Women Talking for screenplay, because there was uh, literally nothing else that could win that one. I'd have gone Top Gun, but whatever. No, but that was never going to happen. Screenplay should have been Banshees of Inisherin. It's di- like, uh, like it just. Basically, the people who were voting weren't thinking about writing. They were just thinking they really liked that film. But in terms of writing, it's just a better piece of writing. Well, no one had like a dildo fight. This is true. You know, I spoke a, a fellow who I recommended everything everywhere all at once to from work. He, he didn't like it. He said uh, there was so much more they could have gone with it in uh, different directions. They had everything and everywhere and it was all at once. First of all, I had to take a breath and, a breath and say you're either taking the pace or you're just looking at it wrong if you're thinking everything everywhere all at once could have done anything more (laughs) in any direction. But then I was kind of thinking, um, he was thinking, he was saying they could have explored the multiverse thing more. And it was only when he said that to me that I kind of realized that unlike, you know, Doctor Strange and, and the dumbassery, rather than using multiverse theory as a physical reality, they're using it as a metaphorical tool to explore mm. characters every, in every direction possible. That's far more interesting. 
And create a great joke machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which made me sort of double down on it conceptually, which I suppose might in, in the end maybe to deserve the screenplay. It's just normally the thing that if a film that everybody loves doesn't get the, the big awards, they give it the screenplay, but you're whatever. Like I said. I think it's good that it's swept. I think fair play. I think it deserved hmm. all those categories that it won. Have you seen the best short film winner, Irish Goodbye? No. This, I think that's, you should check that out. Everybody listening, check that out. I think that's the arrival of a major pair of filmmaking talents. I forget their names now, Irish pair, but I like, I thought that was absolutely fucking excellent. It's 22 minutes long. High, high recommend. Are you a fan of the Irish Goodbye in general? I've certainly yes. done it myself from time to I'm time. I'm a big fan of the Irish Goodbye. Yeah. It's a like, well, I think it's I have just... seen you just, you've just vanished. Oh, I, I Irish goodbye you, like a motherfucker. You you have a point in drinking back in the day where you would hit like you would just something in your face would change and your brain had just switched off and you weren't there anymore and then you would disappear. The rest of your body would follow soon after. But if ever if ever I could if ever I could uh, catch myself in the run up to that moment, even I would disappear. <laughs> yes, but, uh, that's true. <laughs> because the, like that was the, like I don't know that was the thing with me back in the day is. Like when I eventually heard the expression Irish goodbye and somebody explained it to me and I was like, oh, I just call that a Dunica goodbye. That's what right. I do. If, like, if I was ever in a conversation with someone and I heard my words slightly, if I heard my voice being slightly behind my thoughts, but then all of a sudden my thoughts going, wait a minute, what are we doing with this voice? And everything's getting all lost. If I was able to catch myself, I'd get out of there as soon as possible. Because yeah. I don't know how people have the stat, even back in the day, my shame about such things was such that, like, I don't know how people have the stamina to just power through and black out. Because I know people who do it. I was with some at the weekend. No, <laughs> and that's not true. They were back in the safety of the Airbnb by the time they did that, which is all right, I suppose. But, like, engaging in that sort of blackoutery in public? Hell no. Anyway, Irish goodbye. Worth a watch. Okay, quality. Well, we've both watched a number of things. Should we mm. start with the thing that we both saw? As in, like, uh, a TV series that came to an end. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. It's actually made me think I really want to play the second one, which, okay, so we're obviously we're talking right. about The Last of Us. Yeah. Spoilers for The Last of Us season in a one. Big way. Spoilers for the game, because it's exactly the same story, basically. Yes. But, so, have you played Last of Us 2 or not? No, I haven't. Okay, uh, then unfortunately, I will not say anything about that. Yeah, yeah, we, we won't say anything like that. Uh, unfortunately... I do know one of the things that happens quite near the start. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a big... I don't think that really matters. It is very near the start, the big plot point in Last of Us 2. But anybody who does... who Like, I just have to say, TV audiences are in for a shock if they don't know about that. I think it remains to be seen what format a season two and season three of Last of Us is going to be like, just because they've already said that they're splitting up the game over at least two seasons. Well, from what I've heard, the second game is much longer. It is. It's about 18 hours. This is a thing that, I mean, talking about Last of Us, the TV series, is I think one thing that you notice in this TV adaptation is like so much of the first game is like running around shooting guys and shooting zombies. It's so much action. Yes. That when, which... they, strip, when they strip all that away. I was listening to someone talking about this on some other podcast, um, talking about The Last of Us. They were just saying like, they replayed the game recently and they were shocked when they found out. They were like, wow, I can't believe how much character development there was just in these hours and hours of action scenes. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I've played through The Last of Us, so if anybody hasn't, by the way, it's a big high recommend, should go without saying. But I've played um, through it twice myself, which is unusual for me with uh, any game, really. But Especially narrative games like that. Well, I just found... I was kind of devastated after the end of it, even though the end of it is... It ends nicely, or at least there's an optimistic note. But what I was trying to, I suppose, get back to is I wanted to kind of look at it from... Because... I played it, a friend of mine had lended it to me, and then all of a sudden, all these film critics started giving it plaudits. Like, a bunch of film critics would have said, this is the best movie of this year, um, The Last of Us. There is the opening shocker, which is the same opening shocker in, in this. You don't expect that. But apart from that, I don't think too much surprising happens in the game, actually. Really. No, it's fairly far. I mean, it's things you've seen many times before, but they're just You just end up caring well. more about the characters. I think that's the thing in, in the game. You care about the characters because you play as them. Which is, it is an unusual thing for games. Like Yeah, I mean, even good narrative, a lot of good narrative games, I wouldn't you might say admire that I the characters. identify, yeah. You're not like kind of imp- like embodying their choices in a way. I'm thinking of things like Witcher 3. It doesn't, I don't know. No, it doesn't. Like, like you, you love Geralt, but he's very much a, um, a stoic figure, let's yeah. say. You, adm- um, you admire him, not qu- you yeah, don't quite get into exactly his shoes. Like, yeah, he's not wearing his heart on his sleeve. Whereas jo- both versions of Joel, because Pedro Pascal's version is different, I would say. Not yeah. so much that I feel it betrays the game, it just explores no, him more. He's kind of weaker physically. Yes, and- he is. Whereas like Joel in the game is 100% given into nihilism, and that's the kind of part of him that's won over by Ellie, let's say. You know, him gradually identifying her more with his lost daughter. They changed Ellie from the games as well, let's be fair. Which kind of grated on me a little bit for a while, but then, I don't know, the actor got good to me, the performance got good to me. I The only episode I disliked was the her flashback episode. I didn't really dig that much at all. I mean, again, it's very similar to the game. The only thing, the only difference there was is it was based on like a kind of on like a, a sort of extra chapter DLC that came like after the fact. But that was yeah. where that well, that's where that part would be placed in the story. Like that's where it's recommended to play it if you're playing. No, the game. I get like I get that. I read about that afterwards because I was wondering were they just playing fast and loose? But like the thing is, I I suppose that episode one and maybe number two, I could have done with slightly more action a little bit more action the, the the two action highlights and i do think there's probably only two is episode five and the final episode now the final episode i mean kicks the fuck out of it to be fair it's great and you really get to see all withered uh, joel come back with a, a major bang and it ends in exactly the same way as uh, the game and that was satisfying and i actually remembered how much I enjoy the ending of the game when it ended like that. It ends in the same way as the game, but him going through the hospital to get Ellie back, like in the game, it functions much better <laughs> because it's like a because it's like an a stealth action sequence. Yeah, yeah, compared yeah, sure. to like him walking around, he looked like a school shooter. Like it's just a weird energy to how he was shooting people in the building. No, I quite liked it actually as an action scene. I didn't enjoy like I think the best episode is episode five. Uh, for sure, with the bloater coming out of the You just mean like episode. for the action, because I think episode five took a lot of criticism for um, the, what's her name character, the like... Oh, the dumpy the warlord. Town. Yeah, yeah, her. Yeah. Uh, that came out, that came came under fire for just sort of... Some people had problems with the character. I don't even really remember that now. I feel like that was... A, I mean, the way that this show functioned... My- 
Yeah, go on. Watching watching a show week to week like this, it really did feel like you were like on the road with the characters so much that like after a week was done, yes. I was like, okay, we're finished with that part of the story. Yes. You see, I don't like her as an actor generally. Oh, uh, Melanie Linsky. I don't know. Yeah, I think she's all right. I mean, I like her in Yellow Jackets, which is coming back next week. I do like her in Yellow Jackets. I did not like the ending of she that was, series, uh, though. She was good in Fargo, right? She was in the Fargo TV series. She not in season one of now. Fargo. Can't remember. Did I just make that up? Was that someone else? Let's find out. No, I think she is. She not the someone's like mother the or sort something. of um, Marge type stand-in in season one. Uh, no, no, that's Allison no. Tolman. I've but in my head they're the same person. <laughs> No, I wasn't a big fan of her uh, in The Last of Us particularly. I just, like, I didn't buy her as that kind of... Yeah. I didn't I didn't care about the extra weight, even though it probably would have lended something more to the story to cast somebody more of the build of Charlize Theron in Fury Road or something mm. like that. You know, you're talking about a warlord here. That's essentially what the character is. I like to I like to say war lady. The only thing, I mean, I would go along with the criticism where people said there just weren't enough zombies there's not enough for sure no infected uh in the story where it means like creating you should you just, be more scared of them because they're yeah. terrifying in the game and also if terrifying if your whole point is like you're trying to create this vaccine or this cure or whatever is like you really do need there needs to be more of a threat because if you can just go out and live in the middle of nowhere like a bunch of people are doing yeah. and you never see any infected then okay let's that not was, spend but, all our time doing this do you know what? The deviation from the main storyline isn't the reason I didn't enjoy episode seven. It was that you had an opportunity to sort of expand on the world a little bit and why Fedra were such utter bastards. Because the thing is, I'm going to break into the logic of the show. But to be fair, this show leans fairly heavily on logic with its flashback sequences, by the way, which I would have loved more of those. I loved the... the yeah, those kind as of in the, before the, in the yeah in the, yeah, the first yeah. couple of episodes. Like that opening scene I thought was excellent. But then again, I like any. Th I myself will just rewatch YouTube clips of old 70s intellectuals on oh, chat yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a good buzz of that anyway. But no, when she's trying to convince uh, Ellie to join the Fireflies and she's there, like, and uh, Ellie says, yeah, but I mean, if, if Fedra might be bad, but they're the only thing holding the thing together. I mean, she's not wrong, A, and B, you're one just kind of goes like goes i hate it when you talk like this or whatever and it's like i thought that would have been a genuinely interesting time to explore the world because you also see it hinted at in episode five that fedra were just nightmarish the thing is the one other thing as well is like i love shit like this anything said in the post-apocalypse but I couldn't help but occasionally unfavorably compare this to it is unfair because it's maybe my favorite movie ever to children of men because I just think in you in much less time you know that world much better and I I, I sure. felt like you know I that felt, world even just with that bombing at the start yeah it's just it, like it's just such a Per, like in like and Clive Owens, you, like in the shop, just there's uh, the news on the TV and a bunch baby of baby Diego other died. Out, yeah, yeah, baby Diego. But I mean, all of that said, I I I did really enjoy the finale. I did really enjoy certain parts of it. Would have liked more action and more clickers and shit like that. But in general, yeah, fair enough. Like Craig Mason's a good writer, and he hasn't let himself yeah. down with it. I thought it was fine. Ultimately, I think it probably worked. I think. I mean, I enjoyed watching it from week to week. I certainly. I was. I was nice. It was a nice thing to have. 
it was weird knowing where the story was going and then ultimately at the end of it i would just say like the game is a better way to tell this story definitely um, and that's that, it. like it's made me like i'm gonna i'm gonna get the get part two and part two is I th- I really loved part two. I I think about part two much more than I think about the first one. That's exactly what my friend uh, Rory Power, who hopefully is listening to this podcast, uh, was saying to me. He just said it's like it's devastating as a, it as a playing. It's experience. rough. <laughs> it's a he's a, he's a rough old time. Like he, the way he described, like his his girlfriend at the end of the first season said she was looking forward to the second season, and the way like he said he looked at her and goes, "You've no idea." It reminded yeah, me of when I was gone. on a a boss in Boston reading the red wedding chapter of game of Thrones. And I was on the bus next to this old fucking lady. And I remember just looking at her going, you, uh, you don't even, you don't even know, man. (laughs) You don't even know what just happened to the Starks. (laughs) I actually want to, uh, if, are we done with the last of us? Yeah, we're done with the last of us. I just want to parachute in one, uh, more TV thing that I, I did mention to you by text message, but I just want to say it on the show anyway. So I watched the first two episodes of The Mandalorian and um, like, I don't know, man. I think it's really because I read this I read this big piece this week about um, Disney are losing money, not like yeah. in the negs, but like their share prices going down and stuff like that. And you know how much marketing costs. Like it's pretty much beyond doubt that Ant-Man has lost money. And I think people suddenly give less of a shit about The Mandalorian. Because there wasn't much fanfare about this coming out. And if you watch the first two episodes of this, and it makes me sad to say this because I enjoyed the first two seasons so much, but it's becoming quite evident that they're really, really running out of ideas and just trying to do the same thing they're doing with Marvel, which is just chug out as much content as possible while they still have people's attentions. And like, there's no Star Wars movie planned for the near future, I don't think. They've teased that at um, D23 this year, they're going to lay out the plans for the universe. But they've done that two or three times now and then just hacked away. Like, Ryan Johnson's not getting his trilogy. Neither okay. are the... Ga- that was a long time ago, the Ryan Johnson one. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the, the Game of Thrones boys aren't. Yeah. Mandalorian is, is running low on ideas. Like... Is, I watched two ep- the first two episodes and they've kind of made him into a bit of a bumbling fool for them. Well, not a bumbling fool, but he gets captured very easily and stuff. And it's just like the way they open that show, like the first season, I still think is great. I watched the first season twice. So stoic, like a, a real Western vibe to it, just wandering from town to town. But now they're, t- I don't know, just trying to tie it in and up with the, the world. And uh, I don't know. I just, like, it's sad to see. It's sad to see and it's sad to say but I, I don't care about Marvel anymore, and I, I don't think I give a fuck about Star Wars anymore either. <laughs> what about Andor? Yeah, w- w- the thing is about Andor, man, is it's like, it was the be- I said it was the best show I saw last year, and it was. I would watch yeah. that again. Same. But I don't think Disney care about it. No. Well, maybe it'll all reset eventually with Star Wars. It just, they need some time. Yeah, it just makes me sad to 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 think of it. I mean, because but if you think I think if you look at Star Wars in its totality, like everything that's ever been released, how much of it is shite? <laughs> it's quite a lot. Well, more than the good stuff now. Yeah, more than so the good it's stuff. like more than half of it is awful. But I'll say this: like, I'm not like, I'm not forgetting about something. I rewatched the originals last year. They're mm. really good. Sure. They they do really really stand up. 
Like yeah. you don't need people backflipping and over each other with, in lightsabers fights when the fights are as emotional as they are with Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker when they first meet in um, the Cloud City. Like mm -hmm. th that shit, like it really, really works. And Lucas knew what to do to st when he stepped away from the director's chair. And like James Cameron made a comment when Force Awakens came out that has proved undoubtedly true by this point, which is he said, without implying Disney, he said, I'd rather be worried about the new direction of the Star Wars universe because cause he eventually got bought by Star Wars, but he makes them too much, he, well, by Disney, he makes them too much money for them to tell him what to do. He said, there's more imagination in the prequels than there was in Force Awakens, and yeah. I'm not a fan of the prequels. Like, that's what it, like, and he was right too. And it's just, uh, I don't know, people value m movies too much for, I, I'm not going to say this is like it dying a death or whatever like that, but it'll be a slow death is the thing I'm worried about because they're not going to give up on this anytime soon. And the thing is, they're not making good stuff. So are you done with The Mandalorian then? Yeah, I'm not going to continue watching it. The only it's boring. Stuff, it's dead boring. The only things I'm watching right now are Party Down Season 3 and Ted Lasso Season 3. Party Down? What's that again? I forgot With, Ted Lasso uh, is out. Adam I'm going to watch... Scott. Oh, Adam yeah! Scott, Ken Marino. The catering they brought it thing. Back. Yeah, yeah, after many, they many years. They brought that back. They brought it back for season three with everyone except for Lizzie Kaplan. Wow, is it any good? Yeah, I've only watched one episode, but yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine. Like, the first seasons of that were, like, 2009, 2010, and the world is a very different place. Yeah, that's right. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite a long time ago. But so obviously they're like embracing a new world and a new, mm, yeah, I mean, different standards of what they can do or say. But yeah, no, I liked it. I liked the first episodes. And Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso, solid first episode. That's good. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to say too much about it, but no, I thought it was I'm going to watch that later tonight. Don't say a thing. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I completely forgot that was back. That's good. That's good news. Good news in Nunica Town. What movies have you been watching? Well, I've got um, I've got uh, two films and one TV series to talk about. Okay, I got uh, four movies to talk about. Well, you go first. Okay, I rewatched uh, two movies that I had no right to expect either of them would be any good, but one of them was interesting at least. Uh, so I'll start with that one. So I rewatched. Uh, <laughs> Well, I've told you this already, but I wish I hadn't, so you could be surprised. Uh, I rewatched uh, Zack Snyder's film Three Hundred. There's a joke in Party Down about Three Hundred back in the in like season one or two of Party Down. I can't remember it. Uh, like Ryan Hansen's character, I think he's called Kyle. He comes in to talk to Martin Starr, and he says like, yeah, "How many times have you seen the film Three Hundred? And he says like, "You know, seven. And then he says, oh, okay, so I was just doing this test, which is like, <laughs> if anyone says they've seen 300 more than one time, then they're definitely gay. <laughs> and then basically, this is, as I said, it's from, an, it's from a different, it was a different time. And the rest of the characters just basically <laughs> scream in Martin Starr's face <laughs> about how he's gay. Nice, I appreciate that. So, uh, with in that, my defense, as, this is the second that, time as, I've ever watched it. Why are you it? defending? Who's defending? Who's defending anything? Yeah, so it's not Please, an insult. Go ahead, tell me all yeah, about yeah. it. So it's the second time I've ever watched it. So I, I watched this. What were you wearing? My pajamas. So I watched this when it came out in the cinema. I had been a fan of the comic book. I don't know. Have you ever seen the comic book? Have you? Um, uh, it's not the type of thing. I. It's not the type of thing I would read. See, I used to read a lot of comic books. I would read and comic books, but I don't want to read Spartan Warrior comic books. Well, you see, it's just, 
Frank Miller was a big name back then. Oh, it was um, a Frank Miller one. Yeah, yeah. And I had read uh, his Dark Knight stuff, his Daredevil stuff, and a bunch of the Sin City. And I'd seen the film of Sin City. And the film of Sin City, people might forget it because it was so popular at the time. I remember seeing it like three or four years ago and thinking this really fucking holds up. It's it's a really good film. That came out one year, 300 the next year. And that whole like leaning into a moving comic book thing. It was a very brief stint. I mean, what's his chops? Richard Linklater experimented with that kind of stuff. Kind yeah, of. Uh, rotoscoping on uh, That's right, Waking yeah. Life. And... This was different though. This was all shot on chroma key, same as mm-hmm. uh, 300. And I suppose the reason I wanted to, the reason I ended up uh, going back to, to 300 is um, I've spoken before to you and, I, and hinted at this uh, on this uh, podcast that I would like to do little YouTube videos uh, with the historical context of films and then I read a, a bunch about the Battle of Thermopylae about the 300 boys and then I started, because the thing is this is a long deviation and the uh, spoilers I've kind of started on that, on that YouTube video at last and it is against all odds about fucking 300 but I just got interested in it. it sparked my interest because so little is actually known about the Spartans. It's fragments of pottery and Athenian history. No, very little evidence actually coming from Sparta. But everybody did th- think back in the day, man, these people are fucking freaks. And they eventually, when they dwindled out their days, they started mythologi- mythologizing themselves. And I just thought, and then you see, one other interesting deviation is Frank Miller he got one of the earliest versions of cancelled because he tried to make a Batman book where Batman goes killing Al-Qaeda called uh, Holy Terror. Eventually, DC said, no, that's not a Batman story, and he changed it. And he just said, man, that was just a time in my life I was just really worked up about uh, the, you know, because he's a New Yorker. He's a New Yeah, exactly. He's a New Yorker and stuff like that, and that was the way he funneled it, uh, you know, into, into his art or whatever, which is, is interesting. Well, he never attacked Gotham. Yeah, indeed. But then the thing is about like 300 is the 300 Spartans are standing up against the Persian Empire that are invading the civilized world. That's what people say is so important about Thermopylae and Salamis. And I was, I was just thinking, could it be that in, because the, the book is kind of a bit fascist and so it's is. about like 9-11? No, Do I don't necessarily, like, <laughs> but I think you could have. Pred- for. I think you could have predicted Frank Miller's response to 9-11 well enough if you're just looking at uh, at 300 and like the and the other thing is that made me realize rewatching it is that Zack snyder is not a bad filmmaker he's a bad filmmaker of action it's a bad thing that he focuses so much on doing action because he's not good at it he slows everything down he thinks people want to see it like comic book illustrations but the rest of his way of filmmaking that kind of world building aspect of it like a lot of people shit on the movie Watchmen. I was just going to say about Watchmen. Have you watched the like ultimate cut of that? Yes, I have. Like, yeah, four yeah. Hours. Which yeah. is actually better. Um, yeah. Because the thing is, in Watchmen, like I just said, the action is not good. But the rest of the stuff is pretty good. Like the opening with uh, yeah, the sex the scene is not times, good either. Times they are changing. Times they are changing and that, like, the way that catches you up on the story. So yeah, anyway, that, that was uh, my reaction. 300 is still not a good movie. But in terms of like visual storytelling and world building and actually making a fascist ass movie of which the Spartans themselves would probably approve, I mean, it's an interesting document, let's say. I only watched a few films in the series. 
I saw seven. <laughs> and <laughs> what else did I see? Go on, go on, go on. Twenty one. Did you see twelve? Twenty one. Kevin Spacey. Saw that. I saw twenty one. But then, God, I missed so many. I watched. Uh, I watched one eight seven with Samuel Jackson. Oh, you watched one eight seven? Yeah, I've seen. One, I've seen that one as well. I was like halfway towards the three hundred. Yeah, but it's the series is building momentum at that point. Yeah. That's all no. I had to say. <laughs> it's fine. I, I I haven't seen 300 for such a long time. I wonder why. There's I no reason to now. watch it. You'll never watch it again, and you don't have Fair to. Play. I but, did that for you. But a guy from Paisley kicked a guy down a well. That's right. What about that? I well, I do quite like Jerry Butler. I'm planning on watching his new movie, Plane. I like him in things. I think <laughs> he's fun. It's such and a car- bad name. Imagine having a film just called Plane. This film well, is called Plane. You know what? Boat. We would have we said we both said that, uh, and then did a flip flop on his movie Greenland. So watch Greenland it was me. Greenland was fine. It, it was, was very fine. solid. I felt. Yeah, I like Jerry Butler. Fuck it. Good. Good. Right. Shall I tell you about a thing I watched? Hit me with your best shot. Fire away. Yeah, uh, I watched a film. It's one of those things where I wasn't sure if I'd seen it before, and then five minutes into watching, I was like, I've never seen this. And I, I enjoy it. It's a good film. I watched uh, one of the most controversial Oscar winners of all time uh, for Best Supporting Actress, where Marissa Tomei, who won for My Cousin Vinny. Oh, yeah. Why is that controversial again? Because there was a suggestion from, I think it was from Rex Reed, who said that the, the award was announced by Jack Palance. And there was some suggestion that Jack Palance was drunk and had misread the name and had accidentally read out uh, Tommy. And that she didn't hadn't actually won. She hadn't won. But I th- hopefully the whole La La Land Moonlight thing has kind of put that to bed a little bit. Or yeah. maybe that wasn't in place in like 1992. No, I, I, I don't think that they would let something like that fly just to like, rather than save a drunk dude on stage some embarrassment. No, yeah. they would just say, no, you give the right reward <laughs> out dickhead <laughs> yeah or they would have like corrected it the day after or something or whatever i mean whenever but i thought she i thought she had a good performance but to be fair for the oscars she was up against like judy davis for husbands and wives joan plowright for enchanted april vanessa redgrave for howard's end and miranda richardson for damage and i know one of those other movies exactly howard's end so yeah and even so i mean it's not like there was it's, it's not, not like, like there's a standout yeah Plus These are all films that have just gone to the wayside. The only film anyone really remembers is, is my this cousin one, Vinny. Is my cousin Vinny. Yeah. So, but yeah, I thought it was like um, I was surprised how sort of upbeat it is. The entire film, it's like you know, genuinely. Even though so, it's such a, a, a very brief breakdown. Mm. I feel like I was the only person on the planet who hadn't seen my cousin Vinny. But just to run through it very quickly, you've got a young, a young-looking Ralph Macchio and his uh, his best friend are arrested for murder in like bumfuck Alabama, and he calls on the services of his New Jersey lawyer cousin Vinny, who's also by... kind of like mobbed up a bit or something. A little or bit, at least. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a bit, he's dodge he's a bit, like he's dodgy. He's a bit dodgy. He's, he's from yeah. Jersey or whatever. So he's played by Joe Pesci, and uh, and his girlfriend is uh, is Mona Marissa Lisa, Marissa Tomei. And uh, yeah, Pesci's like 50, he's like 48 or something. And Marissa mm. Tomei's like 26, 27, cash back, back of the net. I remember really enjoying this when I saw it. How recently did you watch it? Long time ago, but I remember we watched it in uh, university and I remember I quite enjoyed it. I remember thinking it was not a million miles away from something like Something Wild. I haven't seen Something Wild. It's really good. 
I mean, this I mean, film the, is this is this is this is a funny film that actually has effective has dark to moments it. too. Yeah, it has dark moments, but I don't think it plays them up. I think it. That's why I mean it. Like tonally, I think this what surprised me. It has like a really like comedy tone throughout, or like a positive tone. You know, like there's been a murder at the start, but mm. the film doesn't give a fuck about that. Couldn't give two shits about someone. The fact that someone's been murdered, it cares about the fact that Ralph Macchio is in prison. Yeah, and Which, and his and his Jewish friend, it slightly less cares about him. <laughs> I don't but, know. I just I like I like from the way you're talking about it, and it's been like I said, it's been over ten years since I saw this. But it like you know what? When we watched uh, what's its chops, the John Huston film. Um, oh yeah, Prissy's Honor. Prissy's Honor. I remember thinking beforehand that it would be something like My Cousin Vinny, and then I remember afterwards no. thinking, no, My Cousin Vinny is way better. Yeah, this. I mean, this is like, it was directed by Jonathan Lynn, who's who's a former Cambridge footlight, who nice. was at uni with like John Cleese and Bill Oddie and all those people. He went on to create Yes Minister, and he directed Clue and Whole Nine Yards. Kind of a weird choice for a 1992 fish out of water comedy mm. set in Alabama, but... No, it, it all uh, it all comes together quite nicely. It's a film that's like famed. He also for, did Nuns on the Run. He did do Nuns on the Run. It's a classic. I mean, it's a film that's famed for its uh, its like legal accuracy for the uh, courtroom drama. But like, really? I just think it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's huh. like a film they show in uh, law school in the U.S. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe they they're just like, hey, it's got Marissa Tomei in it because she is hot. <laughs> She's hot as all hell. Yes, I mean. Probably still, although I don't know. She's probably getting on now, is she? Uh, yeah, but I was impressed. I was happy. I finally, it's one of those things where I got around to seeing it and I was like, why did I not watch this previously? No, there you go. I had another one where I went, uh, why did I watch this just now? Which is because of uh, J.K. Rowling's doing her uh, Witch Trials podcast, the Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. And despite how much I might give out about being bored by it, I can still be lured into a good culture wars anything. So I've been listening to that, and I was like, man, is Harry Potter as good as I remember? Because I was a fan, not of the movie. So I listened to the Stephen Fry audiobooks, and they're great. Because I read the books an awful lot when I was younger, and then not in years, but I remember them well enough to know that I don't need to concentrate on the audiobook that much to just, you know, potter along through it. It's easy listening. So I was like, fuck it. I'll see is uh, the first Harry Potter movie as bad as I remember. And it uh, it's, God damn it, if it's, if it's not worse. <laughs> like, I really, really do not in, enjoy those movies. And I get it, they're not for me. I yeah, know they're, they're not, not for me. me. But I just... Well, were like, they for you when they first came out, though? They no, I didn't been. like it. I only ever watched the, the first one once in the cinema, and I was like... But I feel I was, like you were of, of the right... You were the right age for it, were you not? Or were you even too old? I don't know. I was into the books. I, I enjoyed every single book. I read uh, the series on, like, multiple occasions. But um, I, I suppose I was already too much into films to to be able to get past how bad the chi- the child actors are in that and they never learn to act the whole way so like i i eventually i haven't seen all the films now uh, at this point but like no matter what heavyweight talent they had in the adult roles the adult roles are just side characters compared to these kids that cannot act and like the thing is in the last few years, I feel we've kind of been a bit spoiled in terms of child actors. Children, child actors are getting better. Maybe casting agents are getting better at like, finding. You, like, are you saying all of them were 
bad. Like Terrible. Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grant and yes. Emma Watson, they're all off. Yes. yes. At least like, I mean, like, I, I, I can't think I've seen, I don't know if I've seen Emma Watson in anything of late, but Daniel Radcliffe and uh, Rupert Grint are okay. What's Daniel Radcliffe okay in? <sighs> I swear I saw him in something once and he was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Grint is tolerable, certainly in Servant. He was fine in the other, th- he was fine in uh, Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin, yeah, yeah, but I can't, I just didn't enjoy that enough to give him credit on it. Daniel Radcliffe is is okay. I mean, I haven't seen Swiss Army Man. Surely he's that's what I was going to say. Well, I mean, he plays a corpse, Andy. How easy is that? He Pretty easy, I would say. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I even brought this up here because I've got more interesting things to talk about. But oh, man, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is not good. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Go. Well, I decided to watch something a bit more recent and uh, a film from 2023. Can you believe it? They're still making films. What? uh, Yeah, I saw Missing. No, I have heard slightly of this. Was it good? I I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's not going to it's not going to change your life, but it is a very very solid screen life thriller. Are you familiar with screen life? I just found out that that was the name for this type of film the other day. No, what is that? So, um, the guy who directed Wanted, Timur Babadab, blah 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 Wanted, wanted, wanted. What the McAvoy, James McAvoy assassin, oh, okay. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I like that Reavers. more than a lot of people. The the Russian director of that, he has he produced Missing, and he's he directed another film a few years ago. I can't remember what it's called. Stalingrad. And that's <laughs> Stalingrad. He's the Screen Life film Stalingrad. Missing is a follow up to 2018 Searching with John Cho. Are you familiar with that? It's another screen no. life film. Screen life now just means like basically the main character is sitting in front of their laptop and their phone and oh, the okay. entire film takes place basically on the on screens. Like a host. Like host, exactly. That's another screen life. Screen life. But this the term was coined by this Russian guy because he's he's Mr. Screen Life, basically. Screen life, he probably says. But this film was written by Sev Ohanian, I think it's pronounced, and Anish Chaganti. And the reason I first heard about searching is because one of the writers is like a big redditor, and uh, he was always on Reddit. Nice, basically like saying like, "Hey chap. guys, I just made a film," but it was extremely effective word of mouth because that's how I ended up watching Searching uh, originally. And this is, as I say, this is a it's a follow up to Searching. It doesn't feature any of the same characters or anything, but uh, it cost seven million dollars and grossed forty million. Ah, so nice. again, I like it's that. like you know, it's made its money back and What's made, the plot? A, made a nice profit. I wouldn't want to go into the plot too much. I'll give you absolute okay. bare bones because it's a real roller coaster ride, and it does go to crazy, crazy places. But basically, Storm Reed from Euphoria is this eighteen-year-old Californian whose mother goes on holiday in uh, Colombia with her new boyfriend, played by Ken Ken Lung. Okay. The Chinese henchman baddie from the first Rush Hour film and a bunch of other stuff. Um, so yeah, this 18-year-old girl, her mom goes on holiday and then goes missing. And so the girl, the teenage girl is back in Los Angeles and she has to try and find out what's going on, but like while staying in front of her computer. And I mean, yeah, it, it sounds, sounds a bit like It sounds, eh, you're like, okay, what is it going to be? Some sort of FARC thing or what's going on? But like, you know. There's some mad, mad shit happens, basically. It's super twisty, and yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Okay, and is searching worth watching? 
Yeah, yeah, having searching is good as well. It's kind of a similar thing. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I really like the screen life. Maybe because I sit in front of a computer so many hours of a day, I'm like, hey, I can relate to these guys. Fair. Yeah, no, searching solid as well. John Cho, and that one is like John Cho's daughter goes missing, and it's a whole thing. And like, he decides he wants as a back. device, does it work to move a plot? Or like, or do they have to be crafty? Well, you've got you've got so many ways that you can reveal information. Is it in real time? Yes. Uh, no. Sorry, no, it's not in real time. Searching might be, no. He's searching in real time. No, 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 no. This one's not in real time. It has like it 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 jumps it jumps ahead in time. Is it spooky? No, it is a human drama. Wow, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that about because, like, I don't know. See, I, I don't even want to see, even say any more okay, about okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. Should just okay. watch it. I will. I'll check that out. I'll add it to the blockbuster list. Yeah, that's where I got it from. It was on the top shelf. So before we dig into um, something diabolical, I think instinctively the film fan and me save these two till the end just because they're both fantastic. So a while back we watched a Jean-Pierre Melville film. I liked it so much I explored another one, Bob Le Flambeau, and then I liked that so much. I explored two more, his next most highly rated, and uh, I'm just going to say I'm going to probably just work my way through everything. So there I watched... not that much left. No, there's not a huge amount, probably like four or five. He was quite young when he died. 60, yeah. So, got two more Melvilles. First of all, I completely get the Quentin Tarantino dedication now. Like, it's little things. It, like, so Reservoir Dogs is dedicated example. to Jean-Pierre Mel- Melville. Like, for example, you know when Mr. White is tr- flicking his lighter trying to get it going forever in Reservoir Dogs? Mm. That's some very Melville shit. Is like, not cutting around action, like, allowing action space to happen. And allowing, I don't know, the charisma of performers to breathe in sort of real time, almost like it's, you know, like a theater type energy, but shot on locations. So that's one big commonality I noticed with the two Melvilles I watched. I watched Army of Shadows and The Red Circle. Now, Army of Shadows, people, both of these are long movies as well, by the way, like long as, but I don't know, he must have creative freedom. Okay, so Army's, Army of Shadows, first of all, is based on his own experiences in the French resistance. It's bleak and beautiful. The, like, brazen stoicism of resistance fighters, like ordinary people, in a hopeless situation is just very, very well conveyed and lovingly sort of conveyed, like in an admiring sense. But you never really get the sense that anything good is going to happen with these characters. Like, I'll, I, I'm not going to give away the postscript, but... You can see it the whole way through just with the energy of what's happening. And again, there's no real movie stars here. I think they purposefully went out of their way to, like, even though some of the actors, like particularly the lead actor, I gather, had good careers, but none of them are really that famous. And as well, it's particularly suited to his style. So you remember the way Samurai kind of just plods along at, at its own pace? Yeah. This very much does that as well. And it's kind of appropriate because, as people will know about World War II, the French resistance existed, but they never really achieved all that much. Like, they occasionally, the best they could do was to share intelligence with Britain and kill the occasional Nazi or kill the occasional uh, resistance rat, like somebody who ratted out somebody in the resistance. But beyond that, they're just existing and do, like, like they're very much martyrs, so to speak. There's one really nice scene where your man gets sn- snuck out of... Um, France over to England to 
uh, I don't know, get some something out of Charles de Gaulle, like uh, who's who kind of appears out of focus in the film, and then the main character sort of wanders around London and sees like the Blitzkrieg happening over people's heads, but there's dances and stuff, you know, with people hidden away. Nice little details of life with him just wandering around looking at stuff. Or then there's like when he's flying back to be parachuted into the country, there's a part where he gets um, tea on a plane, like a guy just comes back to him, gives him a cup of tea and a biscuit, and then he has to parachute out of the plane. And like, I don't know, it's just so perfect when you know about Melville, because Melville actually was a resistance fighter. So he kind of, rather than going for the thrilling tale, he's leaning into Give telling like the reality, the details, yeah. Mm. And it's it like I don't know. I thought it was really, really something else that film. And there's another one that has an interesting context because it kind of got poo-pooed in France when it came out because all the intellectual critics were didn't like the fact that it had a pro De Gaulle angle because De Gaulle was out of sorts with all the Reds in in France at that time. But it's a really great film. I'd really recommend it to you, to be honest. But the one you would like. Of the two, like the Red Circle is his best film that I've seen. I'll be, and that was the one that made me go, I'll be fucking watching everything now. You're talking the likes of John Woo, Michael Mann, Quentin Tarantino, Jacques Audiard, beyond are kind of indebted to this film. Like Woo for the Woo and Mann, there's an odd combo, but the, their approach to action, I would say, is right in line with the way Jean Pierre. Well, they're like does doves it. flying in slow motion. No doves, no doves. Damn. But you, like the kind of action scenes being so explosive and their strength being on how well tied together they are, even if it's not one shot. Like the editing is so important to keep you in the in place with the action. And as well, there's this heist scene at the end like with barely a bit of dialogue spoken in it and in general actually if you thought samurai was like a silent film like this is practically wordless there's so much of <laughs> men who's just a, walk walking into a uh, walk on who's who uh stars in that one alan delon he's again the main character. he's in both of them right he's in yeah. um, army of shadows as well yeah and uh but i mean there's so much of just men walking into room going come on and they leave the room they're they're, they're just in a car for 10 minutes and someone will go yeah, left. <laughs> it's nice. it's fucking Respect. brilliant. Yeah, I really, really had so much fun with these movies. And uh, yeah, do you have anything to talk about, left? Just one other thing. I just, uh, <laughs> we, can, we were trying to put off talking about you people. I so, am, because um, I'm not going to enjoy this kicking. No, I, I am. I've got I got lots of fun things to say about how oh, bad that's you good. people is, but... I just wanted to give a quick shout out, just basically only even just to one aspect of this, but I watched season five of Unforgotten. We've talked about it before. It's an ITV police drama yes. where there's a cold case team that pull a dead body out of a wall and then they have to work to piece it, piece together who the person was and how they died. It's a great, a great police procedural. Uh, I have a question. Always, yeah. So I've only watched the first season of this mm -hmm. and I've, I really, uh, I really enjoyed it. I watched episode one of season two there uh, last week, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. I'll, but what I'm asking is, do the main characters yes, do they the have arcs? Every time. There's no arcs that develop across. No, seasons. no, no. Yes, yes, there are. I can't even really talk about season five without spoiling things from previous seasons. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Just yeah, get there are arcs. There's really just one thing I wanted to focus on to for talking about season five. It's very the the show is very similar across seasons in that they they introduce they find the dead body and then normally by the end of the first episode they have they've like established who a clue. The, yeah there's like a, you've established who the main people are 
I think there's normally at the end of the first episode, someone is like knocking on the doors of all these people, telling them that they're like, this person has been found, basically. But that doesn't happen yeah. in season five, actually. Season five has a, is a little bit different. I was a bit worried in the first episode because some of the like smaller parts were just seemed to be played by almost like non-actors. So there's a few ropey performances, but it really, really comes together and it's a solid, solid show and I enjoyed it. But the one thing that I wanted to talk about was like ITV, fair play to ITV, because I think season five of Unforgotten, as we're speaking, is like it's still airing, hasn't actually finished airing. But what they did was after the, they aired the first episode Oh yeah, on TV, they do this. Yeah, they put the whole thing yeah. on their streaming service, ITVX. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they do that with everything. And then someone very kindly uh, <laughs> took those videos round and deposited them in my local Blockbuster on the wow. top shelf right next to Missing. <laughs> and they were just right there. And I wasn't. I just saw them right there on the top shelf and I went, I'll have that. So it was you that rented them out? Because I went me. looking I, for yeah, them. Yeah, sorry. I, I've, I've got them, but I will Aww. return them. I had to get a bunch of them. dirty pornos instead. Well, that's your that's your choice. But, you know, fair play ITV and ITVX, which does sound fairly pornographic now that you mention it. Wow. You're why not, me, why uh... not do that? Why not do that, though? Eh? Like, why not just... I mean, it works for if it's like actual TV and not streaming to go like, listen, if you're 105 years old, you can watch it on TV. But if you're cool and hip and young like me, you can watch it on a streaming service or go to Blockbuster. I guess some people are into the week-to-week thing. It wasn't too bad with Last of Us. And actually, I'm looking forward to watching. I'm going to watch Yellow Jackets. When is like, that out I'm, again? When's the next ne- Next week. Literally uh, like a week today, I think. So. Do you think it's going to be supernatural? That show's finished. They did like about 15 seasons. <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 this one's called Yellow Jackets. It's a different thing. I was hoping yes. it was going no, to be no. the, to answer the, your the question, Winchester Brothers. To answer your question, I'm a bit worried about... Yellow Jackets, but I enjoyed season one enough that I'm willing to go with it. But yes, it does. It feels like it might turn into Lost at any moment. What you think there's going to be a big fat guy who somehow stays? <laughs> yes. a, a I'm really guy. worried that a big fat guy is going to turn up. That's my biggest <laughs> concern. Just eat peanut butter out of the hatch. Yes. Ay 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 ay. All right. So you people was my idea. What do you? What do you? What? How, what do you mean by you people? <laughs> What a great title for a film. What a eh? great title. What a great title. That was, that's a winning moment. Written and directed, well, co-written by Jonah Hill, but also Kenya Barris. Well, he seems good, doesn't he? <laughs> he seems like What's it, good... What else has Kenya Barris done again? Uh, he did The Holocaust. That was one of his. <laughs> or right. he might have, because he's, or he probably doesn't believe that it happened. Why, because he's a, a, a black Israelite or something? I, th- I don't know. I, there's a bit of nation going on here. I mean... With, uh, with I'll, Eddie, I'll start Eddie with the hyperbole Farrakhan it, it, type character. I'll start start with the hyperbole if if uh, if you want. Uh, I mean, th- th- I can't think of the last time I watched a film as bad as this. I'm going to be so honest. Many ways. I'm going to be honest, and uh, this is of we've watched hundred uh, hundred and something things, and so many many more. I literally had to put it on one screen and open Reddit on the other screen. I couldn't. Yeah. stay watching it same energy I, same I energy. had to do something else at the same time i just couldn't sit and watch this film and you know what if this was some sort of weird wackadoo thing like the room or fucking even something like i don't know like rob Schneider's the animal or something it might have been able to get a tiny bit of like grim fascination out of me but the fact is on top of being 
poorly written, uninteresting, badly acted, badly executed. This is like badly made and boring. So boring. I mean, everything down to the lighting is bad. It's one of the most cynical. I, I, I made a bunch of notes. Do you think it's I cynical? also made notes at the same time. Well, I mean, I just wondered if it's some kind of tax write-off or something. Is there something going on here that this had to be made or did it, did it fall foul? Okay, yeah, I, 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 I know what you mean by that. Because like a bunch of people just had to work on something and Netflix needed a product or whatever. Even though he co-wrote it, I'm willing to even give Jonah Hill a slight bit of generosity of spirit and just say, I mean, he must know better. Does he? Why, do, why does Jonah Hill look like he looks like a Michael He's Mann going character. to die. He looks awful. He does. Yeah, yeah. He looks like he drinks more than Burt Kreischer in this film. I heard someone say that he's it's because he's a surfer. That that's why he's he's like his skin is now like he's it's like leather, he's like a leather. Or maybe because he like spends so much time out in the sunshine playing basketball and winning against black guys. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed uh, to be fair to Jonah Hill. I mean, I've I've enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of his performances, but I did like his first film that he directed, that he wrote and directed, his skateboardy one. Yeah. What's that called again? Uh, Mid nineties. That's it. I, I just watched yeah. that a couple of years ago, and to be fair, I did really, really like it. Which is exactly why I say, I mean, he he seems to he must know better. Like he's turned in some very good dramatic performances, Moneyball, Wolf of Wall Street. He's turned in some great comedy performances. There's nothing like that appearing here. That he, like, did he write Mid nineties? Yeah, he. I think he wrote and directed it. Yeah, but I mean, he's always struck me as a person who's kind of in turmoil. I mean, from like yo-yoing weight to, mm. I, I just, he's always struck me as kind of like... He got pissed off at Edgar Wright that time. What was that? Edgar Wright was doing a fake interview with him, and he kept asking him about like his weight. It was in the promo for uh, Superbad. It was a, it's a very strange moment in, in Edgar Wright's career. Yeah, to he be was, fair, I mean, that does sound a bit sort of Yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. yeah. He must, wait, wait, he asked him during promo for Superbad, because he must have been super young. He was, yeah. And, you know, in Superbad, he's a big fat guy. Yeah. So What was yeah, he saying I mean, about his weight? That seems a bit harsh. Oh, he'd be stu- like, uh, stuff like, oh, did you have to put on all this weight to play this character? And Yeah, yeah it was pretty cheap. It was, I can't it's believe a we- it's a v- coming out against Edgar Wright, but there you go. Yeah, there you go. But anyway, you people, there's, then people keep arriving on, into the movie that maybe should know better, but don't. Well, Eddie Murphy appears, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, they both uh, were on SNL together from 1982 to 84, and they get the it, opportunity to, 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 to star in something so much better, you people. Eddie Murphy gave me the impression for five minutes, oh, at least he's going to be good in this. Because he's, it, was, it was nice to see him. Yeah, yeah, and he is charismatic in a fairly unbeatable way, but just the material is so poor. I mean... This film, like, I feel like this film almost, it's almost like he's going out of his way to make white, like, white and black people like different species. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's one of the most racist things. And it's like, this is, it's one of the most anti-black, f- this makes black, if, if you were to like, I don't know if you're supposed to read this film as like, the, like, black characters are extremist or whatever, but like, I think it, I think it's like uncharitable towards black people. Like, I honestly think it's like such a weird. Yeah, I think so too. The, and the Jews. Way, I think it's anti Semitic. Yeah, yeah, but, but it, absolutely. But I think the way that the two families are like have their faults. 
paints the black family so much worse. Well, yeah, because he's openly anti-Semitic. Yeah, and the, and you know, like when the Jewish people do something wrong, it's at like such a lower level. It's like they're still trying to be nice and open and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But the, instead, they're accused of having profited get. off of slavery, <laughs> which is like a big nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan. Like you know, that's something they're trying to put out into the world. But then there's this other thing that, like, Julia Louis Dreyfus's character actually seems like an, a nice person, I yes, would say. Yes, 100%. Um, there's, there's a couple of things that she does that are obviously, like, raci racially insensitive by modern standards, microaggression, etc. Yeah, but et in a mammy kind of a way. It's almost charming. That's all, an element in the I film I didn't like. like Al Jolson. That's almost like a, an element of the film I didn't like. But then the thing is, it's like, Jonah Hill is clearly more racist than his mother. Like... He takes he takes them to a Waffle House, a chicken and Waffle House. That kind of is insulting. I get it's supposed to be a joke, <laughs> yes. but it's just yeah, like you're right. It's supposed to be a joke. That's and we that's doing something even worse. Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna t I'm gonna uh, divulge something when I like really learned something about what racism actually means when I was younger. Don't worry, this isn't gonna be a Liam Neeson type story, but it almost is, but not quite that bad. I remember years ago, years ago now, when I was going to a party and. We passed a KFC on the way there, and there was this uh, black family gathered around the table. And I was like, oh, look, a bunch of black people eating fried chicken. And then I thought it would be an, a, a good idea to bring it up as, uh, casually uh, to a funny way to a black dude who was at the party. And he was kind of like, ah, <laughs> cringy. yeah, okay. But he was clearly more mature than me or whatever, like, and he got past it. And then a while later, uh, somebody said, I was going to be going to one of the same parties, and somebody said, uh, oh, do you mind if I have a word with you? Such and such. I mean, he, said, he wants me not to bring you because he says you're racist. And I was like, ah, oh, dude, I know exactly what he's talking about. And this was a year or two later. So I said, is there any chance you can just give me his number and I can talk to him? Because at that point, I kind of like it had gnawed on me ever since then. And I kind of came around to the idea that without people going around blasting the N-word, the only thing that's really, like, the only thing that's kind of racist is, I think people can be accidentally racist, and that's okay in a strange way. But I think there's a certain, at a certain point where you are, eh, let's see, let's the point of your sentence, even if it's said in a friendly way, is to alienate somebody else then you're being a dickhead and you're being racist. Particularly if it's like in a party full of white people and there's some non-white person there. It's like my grandmother, I don't think she was capable of being racist because she would have... But like me in that moment, I could have done better and I should have done better, if you get what I'm meaning. So I called the dude up and I apologized to him. So anyway, long story short, this film has great potential to alienate any black person who watches it in, in a room full of white people and I've make them feel I, yeah. weird and I've, bad. I've, I've seen a ton of comments on Reddit which claim to be, like commenters say that they're black and I can only take that face value. Mm. But they were just basically saying like, this is insane. Like this is Matt, like I'm black and I was cringing just because of like the way that this is kind of showing these black characters. If they're trying yeah. to make these like some kind of archetype or in any way representative of a wider group rather than just like a bunch of, you know, like extremist nation of Islam. Did you see the SNL sketch that Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson were largely ignoring when they were asked about it? No. 
So, oh, I don't know. If you thought SNL were unfunny, so they they did a, just a clip of Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson at the Oscars, and sure, you can't hear a word they're saying or whatever like that. I mean, just taking away that, like, like there are two highly talented actors who don't play the nonsense game of Hollywood, and you know they have a bit of integrity. Somebody asked them about the sketch, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." Yeah, it's not, I didn't think it was very funny, but and but what was people, it ma- making fun of them being Irish or something? Or? Pretty much, it's just that what they're saying is inaudible because of their accents or whatever. Like, it's very like unbelievable. Like you can't believe it escaped a writer's room. It's so bad. The impressions aren't that even happens good. in the U.S. Though I feel like I. I I feel like that's like there's still like accents to them or i think are like more of a thing maybe but well i don't know so (laughs) point being is one of the few things i've ever seen in my life where i would (laughs) like beyond beyond saying oh that's just not funny there was part of me that was kind of going fuck you cunts as well by the way i mean (laughs) this show hasn't been funny in years you stupid dickheads and yeah i don't know it's just (laughs) like i can't think of I don't know, just being like a, a black person, being a f- big fan of Eddie Murphy and just kind of w- watching this going, wow. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I remember I used, to, I used to listen to the uh, Champs podcast back in the day. Did you ever listen yeah, to that? Yeah, I listened yeah, to listened like, to like Neil, Neil Brennan and Moshe yeah, Kasher. Yeah. And Neil, Neil Brennan, the, uh, the famed star fucker. I'm 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 more of a Kevin Brennan fan myself. Me too. My uh my my good good Facebook friend Kevin Brennan, my best Facebook friend. Nice. Um, apart from Mark Normand, uh, he was just like basically like Neil Neil Brennan would hang around with um like he'd go to you know he'd hang around with Dave Chappelle all the time obviously but he'd go to like Eddie Murphy's house mm. like with like Dave and a bunch of other people and he would just basically said like Eddie Murphy for this like intervening period of years, it was probably like 2010 to whenever he started to get back into acting or even a little bit before that. Mm. Like Eddie, Eddie Murphy was just sat around in his house with a big, like with a big crew of guys like drinking and partying and like watching his own films and like, didn't want to go back and do anything. Cause he was like, why should I? I've already done it. Well, I've heard that too. I've already uh, like whenever, whenever he would make a, like a shit film, he didn't really, care so much about the quality of it it would be like a kids movie or just like something with a nice big fat paycheck or whatever this didn't have a big fat paycheck this is something that he d- he did not need to do i would i would nearly guarantee that the, the, well actually no i mean if anybody's a star fucking network it's probably netflix to be fair so maybe they did give, did give him a big fat check but the point being eddie uh, norm mcdonald i can't help myself norm mcdonald once uh, told this story where a network uh, gave him funding to put together a sketch show pilot for a sketch show and they kept bugging him to contact eddie murphy because they knew him and eddie murphy were friends or at least acquaintances or something like that and he says he went up to eddie murphy and said uh look yeah they asked me to contact you or whatever eddie murphy said to him look well if you tell me it's funny i'll do it and norm said he said it's it's not funny don't don't do it But he said that the, the, the impression he did get off him was he was like he was just a chilled out guy and he was kind of okay with himself, you know? That but was always the, the reason that Eddie Murphy never went back to stand-up because he was like, how could he possibly get any better than it was for him? Well, it couldn't. I, I hope he doesn't get back uh, like these days because those two specials, despite some parts of them <laughs> that are even uncomfortable for me, and that's saying yeah. something, they are unbelievable examples of the craft. I'll tell you what's not an, an unbelievable example of the craft. 
I'm just looking at the stupid Wikipedia page and the stupid plot right now. Well, I don't. This Jonah Hill plays this. They they joke that he looks like a young Hulk Hogan, and it's not it's not too far fetched. He gets into he, he's he's a traitor for some reason. He's a well, I mean, oh the I, bad comedy with his boss. <laughs> his boss played by uh, Matt Walsh. Who's lost a ton of weight? He looks super, super thin. He's one of the guys who started UCB with Amy Poehler. And it's so um, improved. It's the whole film is improv. I, I, I one Ugh. of the notes, one of the notes I made is like, I thought we were just, past this. I just, I just wrote like, did they do one take of every scene? Oh, there's definitely that feel. I wasn't sure if they either took fifty takes that were completely different, or if they just took one take and were like, ah, fuck it, I'll do. Yeah, I mean. But yeah, so anyway, Jonah Hill's like a trader. He uh, accidentally gets. He's a, oh yeah, sorry. Oh my god, the first two minutes, him and his his podcast partners talking about Sam, black culture. Sam J. No, they're not talking about black culture. They're talking about the culture. The culture, um, yeah, that's right. I'm <laughs> into to, the culture. I I follow the culture. Oh, uh, it's, I I can't even express how it's 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 I can't more... express it. We talked about the talented Mr. Ripley last week. This is more embarrassing than that. <laughs> I'm too embarrassed to even to even. Go, oh. I don't even. I don't want to touch on the whole podcast part. I don't even want to. It's very bad watching that, isn't want, it? I don't want to even think about that. And, and I also don't want to think listening about the to fact it. that that's going to become a whole thing in films in the future. Yeah, for people for people who are listening and thinking that it, it, the reason Andy and me are cringing is because we're in any way related to that sort of thing. It's just like. It's not that. If you like if you want to engage with this film, by all means go ahead. But to hear Jonah Hill yeah. and Sam Jay refer to the culture and certain aspects of it in such an earnest, non naturalistic yeah, so way. That's, that's the hardest it part. Make, and also in a room that is better lit than an Oprah yeah. Winfrey kitchen set. It's it'll beautiful. make you just want to kill yourself watching it. Like yeah. it's <laughs> It's just the height of too muchery. And here's the thing is, is like, so the plot set up, which will... Well, I'm yeah, gonna, the, I, I, the plot is this. Jonah Hill gets into the back of uh, what he thinks is like a... He, he thinks he's getting into the back of an Uber, and then it turns out it's this uh, lady. What's her name? Is it Lauren London? Is that the name I of the actress? I don't know, but that sketch, that part is she's done like, so she's, badly she's as well. She's the ex of uh, Nipsey Hussle. Uh, she's a powerful black woman. And um, they basically have this reasonably nice meet cute and then their entire relationship they just jump past that and it's three yeah, months that's right, later or whatever and now they're dating and then after a period of time they decide that they want to get they want to move in together and they're going to get married and, and he's then never they have met to meet parents. each other's in-laws jonah hill's parents are julia, julia louis dreyfus and uh, Mulder, and uh and then her parents are eddie murphy and uh nia long and it just turns into this kind of like meet the Falkers or whatever, meet meet the parents, meet the Falkers type mix of Nation of Islam versus Judaism. Dude, this looks, <laughs> this makes the meet the films look like fucking taxi driver. And so anyway, the the wedding gets called off eventually because um, Eddie Murphy anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism. Call he calls it off. And then he has a completely uncharacteristic change of heart. His entire character completely changes in the last few minutes. And he goes, no, wait a minute. Actually, you should get married. Yeah. And they get married at the end. And they CGI a kiss. Their mouths kind That's of right. meld into each other right at the end. 
They clearly, the leads have no chemistry. Yeah, it's very difficult. Oh, it. To be fair, I, I just remembered one moment I quite liked was, um, I think it was during the wedding or like the pre-wedding thing. Schultz is talking about storming the Capitol. Oh, yes, actually. <laughs> to to be honest, there's there's one other part that, I don't know, I can get into silly comedy like this. I didn't on this occasion, but I kind of wish the move, wish the scene was in another movie where the cocaine dealer comes to the club and like just and it's just because never I ending scene though that just yeah, there's yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. of those anyway yeah who cares but the thing is as well that this is so bad that it's not really possible that most of the people don't know it. Like someone like Andrew Schultz definitely knows it. Sam Jay for sure oh, knows yeah, yeah, this yeah. is awful. They seem to have a bit about them. Jonah Hill probably knows this is awful. Eddie he Murphy probably so. doesn't care. He's just showing Maybe up Jonah and doing Hill his doesn't line. care. Maybe it's more Kenya Barris's thing. I don't know. Like Kenya Barris is like uh, he created Blackish, and that show's had like about three or four spin-offs. There's like oldish. There's some other ish. There's a bunch of these spin-offs that seem to have done quite well for themselves. And then he's been involved in co-writing things like The Witches remake. He wrote Girls Trip, which to be fair, I actually quite liked. Yeah, it's good. But a lot of his projects just, it just seems like he's a guy who's, I mean, everything's going okay for him. He's like a safe pair of hands who's like, a re- I mean, safe pair of hands in the in like the modern culture who's like been around for quite a long time. He's worked in TV He's, he's like created a bunch of TV shows and he's just like around. He's probably quite good at like hobnobbing and networking, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just even looking through, back through this. Oh, yeah. We must talk about the basketball game. I mean, what's, was anything surprising? Like in, in a normal Jonah Hill film, he would have been shy at basketball. Yes. There's something. It would have been funny. Here's the thing. For Here's the thing. This subject could work if they went at it with Will Ferrell type goofiness because it's such an inherently goofy ass idea. And then, or Leslie Nielsen even. And then you could, that basketball scene where he turns out to be much better than the black guys, that has the potential to be hilarious. It genuinely does. Like a big fat white guy just, you know, if you're in the right mood for it, that could possibly make you laugh. But it's like watching, Louis C.K. has this bit about watching Goodwill Hunting. And while you're watching it, you realize Matt Damon wrote it. And he's like, and then I'm super smart. And then I say this thing. And it's like, how do you like them apples? Uh. And uh, you just, just, that for me was maybe the most cringing scene in the, in the film, apart from the podcast scenes, just because I was picturing Jonah Hill writing it. Who do you think was doing the writing? I mean, it, it reminds me of that old like uh, family guy joke about, Affleck oh, uh, and Damon Ryan. Ben Affleck just uh, smoking loads of weed. Sick that's a hilarious sketch, uh, actually. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty funny. I don't know. I don't know. Probably, I don't, who it's cares? Probably, I think it was probably written by OpenAI. That's quite possible. It sounds like we're just Big complaining about a, lame, a, about a lame comedy. I could get over a lame comedy. No, this is much more cynical. There's something far worse about this. It's not necessarily that it's just bad. It's like it's like openly. It feels like it's kind. It feels like it's it's harming the world. It just feels like opening a sluice gate of fucking toxic waste. Or to um, make a nice crisp, clean Matt and Shane reference, perhaps the perhaps the pendulum is finally swinging <laughs> back. Shut up. 
No, no, but like, no, right. When somebody makes something this bad, this cynically, there's nobody who can watch this. And, well, to and be fair, like I mean, that, that's the one thing that I think is important to, to like focus on for a film like this is critics and audiences, in, but by and large, hate it. So it's not like people are being, have been tricked and gone, oh, wait, no, actually, it's like pe- people pretty much agree this is a piece of shit. So it was a, a horrendous mistake on our part to watch it. Yes. And from now on, I'm going to be far more exacting in my Yeah, choices. never. Ne- like, here's the never thing, again. man. If people decide to start paying us to podcast like Jonah Hill in this film, then perhaps we could, ma- we could you know, do something like watch a film just to trash it. But I'm, I have less time in my life. I can't be doing this. I enjoy the weeks where we watch Samurai and another French yeah. movie or whatever. I don't enjoy weeks like this. As a ma- but actually, you know what? A week like this made me watch The Red Circle just because I, was, I had to like, wash my brain from this film. It bugged me so much that I was... Even, I, even when I could see there was only 10 minutes left, I was like, dude, how am I going to get through these 10 minutes? I watched this and then Cedric Daniels died. So, you know. Yeah, maybe every time another (laughs) white person watches this, a a member of the wire cast just drops dead. Yeah. Has anybody seen D'Angelo recently? No. Larry Gillard Jr. (laughs) Well, he was in The Deuce, but that ended a few years back. Do you think there are certain members of the wire cast that are just waiting around for the next David Simon project or Walking Dead spinoff? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We do that. Worst places to do acting. For example, a Kenya Barris Jonah Hill collaboration. All right, will that end the shit sandwich? I'd say I believe so. so. No. I yeah, think yeah. Uh, that's enough for this. I don't think I could get through much more, or one more bad thing like this. But luckily, I'm pretty confident about next week's movies. Yeah, next week we're watching uh, Place Beyond the Pines and uh, the Beat. The Beat my that heart my skipped. heart skipped. Yeah, yeah. Very excited uh, to rewatch. They've both certainly of those. both got lots of words in the title, so that's good. And it is indeed. But we're we're going to be getting cerebral next week. I can. I. I. I it's quite possible that uh, next week might be too serious of anything. But I am looking forward to it. Certainly after you people. I don't know what the next new thing we'll be watching is. Do you? Hopefully, nothing produced by Netflix. No, let's park them for a bit. Let's park them. Will you be in Barcelona by the next time we're doing a, a, a new episode? Quite a new possibly. thing episode? We could go to the cinema together, hold hands. Yes, hold, only if we hold hands. Do you want to just go to a room and hold hands, save some money? <laughs> <laughs> only, if there's a, only if there's a screen in it. Or a mirror. Or like a mirror on the ceiling. Any a mirror on the things, ceiling will work. Fine. Yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. Uh, okay, well, that's enough from us, I think. See you next week for Place Beyond the Penis. and uh, I'll see you the, in hell. Yeah, the boobs that or my heart week. skipped. Yeah. Uh, the boobs that my fart skipped. How about that? That's All great. right. I love you. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye.